0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan.
1: We are going to mix it up a little bit today. We are doing a Q&A session. So it's kind of like you're here because we're going to say some of y'all's names. Because you sent us in some questions because we told you we would do a QA and a session on the podcast.
0: So yeah. that's what we're doing. So we're answering the reader questions today, and they don't necessarily make sense together. They're in literally no particular order. Some of the questions were submitted on Instagram. Some of them are common questions we see over in the Facebook group Some of them are just because we decided to throw them in because either someone's asked them at some point or because we just thought y'all needed to know the answer to them. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And maybe we'll just make up some questions as we go along just to, you know, keep it super spicy. (laughs) So I think we should just get started. There's no rhyme or reason to today. So let's just like have fun with it. Right. So our first question is from at Culinary Butterfly. We got this one off of Instagram. Her question is, why don't my biz Facebook followers see my post, but I can add the same post on my personal page and get a ton of likes from friends who are also on my business Facebook page? Great question, Culinary Butterfly. We feel your pain. The simple answer is
0: Facebook hates small businesses. No, it's not the simple answer. Actually, it is. (laughs) No, it's it's the simple answer is Facebook has gone into a pay-to-play scenario. So, yes, you can get traffic on your general Facebook page by just posting, but you will only get 2 to 10% of your people who have liked your page at some point or another see an average post that you put out there. Now, if your friends or family have liked your page, but you post about your business on your personal page, generally they're interacting with your other content more often. And the algorithm for your personal page is very, very different than your business page. Hence why more people are seeing that content. Here's the problem. You post too much about your business on your personal page, and all of a sudden your friends and family stop seeing that really cute photo of your daughter, your friend, your dinner last night, (laughs) your update that you went to the Hanson concert. It'll be really sad, and everyone will be super upset that they missed that. And so I know it sucks. But you really have to be very picky and choosy about what you share in both places, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I personally believe in not draining the love and support of my friends and family by constantly talking about bank business on my personal page. Not only because I don't want them to miss out on personal posts, but I have a business page and if they've liked it, if they really wanted to stay updated, they could go visit there. The other thing is, is since those people aren't really going to see a lot of your stuff if they're liking just your business page and then you stop posting it on your personal page, you're going to, yes, lack engagement and likes, but widen your content, like widen your social media channels. Facebook is one of those tricky things that unless you're ready to sponsor a post or run an advertisement you can't be guaranteed that you're going to get in front of anyone. You're not guaranteed to get in front of anyone no matter where you are, but there are other platforms like Instagram, like Pinterest, like Twitter, that play by some of those rules in a sense, but not as tight as what the personal Facebook page and the business Facebook page, how they work. So I would reconsider, especially if your friends and family are just that, if they're just your friends and family and they're not necessarily ideal clients, Technically, if they're not your ideal clients and they're liking and engaging with it, it doesn't matter anyways because they're never going to buy from you. So it's kind of like you're not getting any likes and engagement anyways, right? So really look at how you're posting on there and where you are. If it's just chasing the likes and engagements, if it's not from the right people, then it doesn't really matter.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Next Next question. Next question. Riley Malin. Is that how you would say that? All right. She said, should I put the price of my services on my website, Facebook page, Instagram posts? I don't see many people in my industry doing it, but I kind of think it's a service people think is more expensive than it actually is. So should showing my price, could it help get more people and more clients seeing what I'm doing? P.S. I'm a style consultant in Brazil and it's a new market here. Thank you so much, girls. Yeah.
1: I think you answered your own question. People think that that type of service is more expensive than it actually is. So would you be able to open the door to more clients if you showed that it was more affordable than people assume that it is? Yes.
0: So definitely think about how you could do it in a way that's less obtrusive than just saying, book me now for $250. (laughs) Like, Sprinkle it in in a fun kind of way. I mean, don't put it in every single post, obviously, but definitely for sure, for sure on your website, a hundred percent, having some kind of investment page or work with me page that talks about your packages and how someone could work with you and having going ahead and breaking it down those package prices for sure. But if you think you're not getting people to even go from your social media over to your website because they just assume they can't afford it, then definitely talk about why it's affordable. Like even going through that process, even if you don't go into the dollar amount, which actually I'm not sure what the currency is in Brazil. It's probably dollars. Well, I think that you could –
1: I think there are three different ways that you could talk about this on those three different channels. So what I would like to see is – an investment page pop up on your website where it's literally like work with me, hire me, whatever, get a style consultant. And then you walk people through your packages, the process of what it's like working with you, basically painting the picture of why it's awesome and why they should spend the money and work with you and hire you. And then I think you should write a couple blog posts that are like, is hiring a style consultant out of my budget? here are 10 reasons why it's actually more affordable than you think. And then you could basically repeat your services and say, you can work with me for as little as this and this is what you're gonna get. If your budget's a little bit higher, this is what you're gonna get. And then share that blog post on your social media channels. And microblog on Instagram, that same kind of concept of, you think it's this premium service, but in actuality, this is what I can offer you. And word it in a sense that like, Oh, you think it's expensive, but it's actually super cheap. Don't word it like that. Word it in the sense of you think it's super expensive, but I create packages for your budget. And so spend it to be where like you're going to still spend some money. It's not $5, but here's why it's not thousands of dollars.
0: You get all this bang for your buck. There's right. this value. You're talking about value and you're spinning the value. And this is for anyone. Yeah we highly encourage anyone to talk about their prices to be open and honest about the money they want from clients. And if that's something you've been hiding for fear that you're going to have less people in your door, I promise you that's not actually how this works.
1: Yep. Once people can see that, and they can process that number on their own. So maybe it is a little bit out of their budget. Like they were like, It's going to be, you know, a hundred bucks and it's really 275. Well, if you're starting to paint the picture of how it's like working with you, what all they're going to get, all of the amazing benefits, they are going to now go through the process of justifying it themselves instead of you having to do that. Instead of you being like, oh, but I have this sale going on or oh, but I can mark it down to this and feel that weird like that's when that weird slimy feeling about pricing comes into play. But if you're painting that picture and you're letting someone else like your client process that number on their own, then it's in their court to now contact you. They know what they should expect to spend. So when they already like start that conversation, you now don't have to even worry about having that icky like, "Oh, man, I'm going to come out and they're going to not be able to afford me. They're going to think this is way more than what they initially thought because they already have an expectation." That's so going to help you close deals faster. Yeah. Cool? cool. Cool. Next question. At over the muffin top, I love that handle. So do I. Ask, what is your recommendation for how often you should email your subscribers? That's a fantastic question. I'm actually going to pull up her Instagram so I can have an idea about what her business is. Sure.
0: So I think in general for businesses in general I think a if you're not collecting email subscribers let's start there let's start collecting email subscribers period but after you get them in the door you don't want them to go cold and what I mean by cold is they decided they liked you at some point or another and they put themselves on your email list Mm -hmm. and if you let a certain amount of time pass That person has since forgotten that they ever met you. Yep. So you have to figure out what is that magic formula. Ideally, if someone signs up for your email list, they should get some sort of email immediately that welcomes them. And then after that, I would shoot for weekly. I think it's a good medium.
1: It's up to you. Like, I'm not going to tell you to shoot for weekly or monthly or quarterly. You know your audience better than we do. Here's what you absolutely have to do, though. In that confirmation email, you're introducing yourself. You're letting them know, like, how else y'all can, like, get connected or whatever. And then you're setting the expectations. Here's how often you're going to hear from me. Because it's more so I don't mind if I get an email every day from someone every week from someone, but if I don't know why I'm getting it or that I'm going to get it that often or that infrequently beforehand, I'm going to sit here and think something's wrong, or I'm going to sit here and think I'm getting too much. But if I go into this relationship knowing what I'm going to get out of it and what I should be expecting, I'm going to accept it a lot better.
0: Well, and I think it's true. It really depends on who you are to that person. For, for instance, My financial advisor, he sends out monthly like newsletters and I think they're like the driest, most boring (laughs) thing I've ever slayed my eyeballs on. I could hear from him less often via email because I would prefer him. Or he needs to to make his emails more fun. Well, that he should. (laughs) That's a different conversation. I could hear from him less often via email and I would actually prefer he pick up the phone and call me and give mm. me an update on my actual account right. versus a the world of money. A general the the Dow is down. Like right. I I don't care. I like don't care. is my money up? That's right. what I wanna know. Okay. So Terry from Over the Muffin
1: Top is a wellness consultant. So, so she talks about Coping with a melanoma diagnosis, building self-confidence, date ideas.
0: I think you could serve people really well in their inbox on a weekly basis, giving people that pep talk, giving people that value add, talk about the content you're already putting out in other places, and be a voice of you know, reason, a yeah. voice of self-confidence in their lives. People and you need more of that. It that way. Like sign up for weekly doses
1: of whatever you're sending out.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the people who you're actually working with, they need to hear from you on a different scale. Right. right. If, and that may mean that you are calling them. It may mean you're texting them. It may mean that you have personal emails that go out to just them about their issues or whatever it is you're working with them on. Because um, I think the key thing to notice is
1: the different needs of your different subscribers. So we have a whole mess of subscribers. And for instance, before we have a webinar, the people who have registered for that webinar get two reminder emails like back to back. So they're getting a two-hour reminder and a 15-minute reminder. That's because we want them to show up for something that's at a very specific time. If you're just interested in something and you're just on our general email list, you might have heard about that webinar once. And if you didn't sign up for it, you're no longer going to hear about it. So as soon as you make a different move on our list by purchasing something, by clicking a certain link, by downloading something, by signing up for something, you're going to get treated a different way in regards of how often we're sending email to you and what you're getting. So just truly know the needs of the people on your list. And this is when something like ConvertKit comes in super handy, because if you have a different type of person on your list, if you have more than one it's a lot easier to segment them and tag them appropriately. So you're not sending your entire list this information that maybe only like 25 of them really need.
0: Right. And we've we've sent emails. I mean, we have what? I mean, over 11,000. I don't even know. Lots of subscribers. And we've sent emails to under 100 people. We've sent emails to nine people before in ConvertKit because they were targeted specific emails that needed to only go to specific people. Yep. So don't feel like targeting is a bad thing. Talking to specific people at specific times because of the way they interacted with you is a good thing. Yep. Awesome. Next question. Amelia Claire designs, what do you do when you're overwhelmed? I have a ton of actionable steps from listening to the strategy hour, but as a business newborn, (laughs) I'm, I'm struggling with starting from zero. I have so many things that I want to do, but since I'm doing them for the first time, I'm grossly underestimating the time it will take to do these tasks. This causes me to get behind and even more stress. How do I recenter, refocus and bust out the stress to overcome it? Oh, girl. I'm going to look up your Instagram
1: too.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So I remember being here. It actually wasn't that long ago. Years when you become your own business owner, they fly by. Uh, It's so funny. My husband texted me this girl I used to work with. We were laid off together at the same time. And this girl that also got laid off at the exact same time became a temp at my husband's job the other day. And I was like, I got laid off two years ago. Is she still having employment problems? And anyway, so... Look at these cute little mini card pouches. This is what she sells. Oh my gosh, I need that. And other things like them. Amelia, send me, send Send me me a card pouch. (laughs) (laughs) But being in business you will learn that weeks fly, months fly, years fly faster than they ever did before in your life because you have so many things to do. And because you're doing them for yourself, you just, you have more on your plate than you ever have in your entire life because Nobody else is telling you what to do. And so you have all the ideas and you just want to do a million things all the same time. And I think the first step to just like breathe is to really reassess what is like, where are you trying to go and what are the priorities that you need to be putting in place to get there? Because I think at the beginning... We have so many distractions that are what we would call like that sparkly squirrel syndrome. Like you see something and you're like, ooh. I need that. I need to learn that. I need to buy it. I need to try that. And you really just need to be focusing on the thing you already decided you were doing six months ago, which is hard. And I'll give you some encouragement as well. I don't know your
1: definition of newborn baby. Is it the first three months, six months, year? That varies for everyone. But I can tell you the first six to 10 months of being in business, and I count like my solo business, like right before I met Abby and then us kind of partnering and then forming TCC, all of that's launched, lumped into one big chunk of time. That was a shit show of a year. I feel like every new business in that first six months to 10 months of being in business, you are absolutely hustled out. You're tired, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed. My encouragement is that gets easier. That is just a season. A lot of us go through that in the beginning and the feelings that you're experiencing right now are totally normal, as shitty as they are. But how to get out of that is to define your focus, know where you're going, set up processes for what you're already doing. So is there something in your business that you could set up a process, that you could automate, that you could create a workflow for, that maybe you have to sit down and spend 30 minutes to an hour setting it up now? But as that task continues to run on in the future, can it save you a minute here, five minutes here? Maybe it has to do with, Loading up your Instagram, emailing your customers, posting something to Etsy, shipping something. Like what's something that you can try to automate so you don't have to have your hands and your brain on it 24 7? All of that. And so, much. all of that. And then I had one more thing to say and I forgot it.
0: Uh, my other thing would be to when you make the giant list. Because I know what you're doing right now. You're making a list that's like 40 feet long of all the things you need to be doing. You need to be focusing on two to three tasks per day. Okay, go ahead. What?
1: I'm sorry. I remember what I was going to say. Because it kind of goes in line with that too. Pick the task. Sis. Tasks. Multiple tasks. Sis. How would you say multiple?
0: Tasks. Tasks is already plural. Tasks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when you pick more than one
1: task, pick the one that is going to snowball. So especially in the beginning of business. So what can you spend all of your energy on today, this week, right now, that's going to build on itself for you? Is it blogging? Is it your email list? Is it your social media presence? Is it, it's typically automating something, but what is going to be kind of like acting as multiple forces for you in your business?
0: That and I know I'm. I have to just say it because it's true, and nobody else talks about it. But that first year is just a giant juggling act. Yeah, you're doing so many different things. Yeah, so it's normal that you feel like you're doing all the things because you are. You, you are because you There's have no other way around it. You just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. keep on this trudging. Is your initiation into business. Yeah. Keep doing it. Do your best every single day. Mm -hmm. Try not to get frustrated when something doesn't get checked off your list. If you learn that something is taking more time than you thought, write down how long it did take so that next time you can adjust for that. Mm -hmm. But do know things do get easier. Some tasks that took us 2 to 3 hours. I'm not even joking you with this. Like literally, they used to take us 2 to 3 hours in the beginning of business. We can bust them out in 15 minutes now. I'm not joking mm-hmm. because we've done them so many times because we have the process down, because we've documented the process. And girlfriend, if you don't have Trello, you need Trello right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Specifically for you feeling this overwhelmed, don't know where to spend your energy, go get Trello for business. And then if you already have that, go get the follow-through method. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Next question. At Unbridled Gypsy, when and what to outsource first? Awesome. So we already have two episodes that really dive into this on a deeper level. We will go ahead and answer the question. I believe they're episode number eight and number 22. We're talking about being frugal in business and how to manage a growing team. So those kind of like touch on the different aspects. I will touch on the frugality part. I don't know where you are in business, but our suggestion, it comes like a two, step one and step one A. Step one is to hack all your systems for as long as you can until you know why you need to invest in something to make your life easier. Do not go out today and go buy all the things that you think would make your small business run better because if you're not kind of doing the dirty work now, you're not going to see how those systems can reward you later, okay? The other part of this is... Typically, we recommend that you invest in systems and software before you invest in people.
0: Yeah. I agree. Okay. It's it's really about time. Invest your time first and then invest in systems and then invest in people. And as far as like what to outsource first, you're going to outsource the thing that you are the worst at. So I'm not going to answer for you what that is, because I don't know, your situation is different than mine. But for us, I mean, we, we really thought about what is taking us a lot of time that is literally not bringing us any money, but needs to be done. Like it just, it has to be done. It is a part of doing business. We have to, it has to be done. And for us, when we actually got to the people part of it, it was outlining, not outlining, formatting and posting blog content because... We had already done on the work of writing all of the stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we needed someone to help us with that. Not that we needed someone, but having someone do that meant that they were focusing their time and energy there. And we all of a sudden had 30 minutes a day back that we could spend somewhere else that was Mm -hmm. bringing in more income for us. So I would think about what is costing you time this essentially costing you money. And so she specifically does design, branding,
1: website design and branding, just if that's more helpful for you. Sure.
0: So I would think it would be something that's not client focused. I think your tendency is you want to duplicate yourself. Mm -hmm. People do this a lot. They were they're like, Oh, well, if I only bring on another designer, Right. Like all of a sudden I'm going to be so much more. I can take twice as many clients. No, that's not what's going to happen. Honestly, you might be surprised. It might be collaborating with someone. So Emily and I co-sold for a long time. Mm-hmm. That worked really, really well. So all of a sudden I had I was able to expand my services and offer photography to my clients but it wasn't taking my time Mm -hmm. and it was making my service better. And Mm -hmm. if you're not in, if that person is not actually a part of your business, you could have some kind of affiliate relationship where you get like a percentage or something like that. Like that Mm -hmm. might be a really cool thing for you to add. That's literally, it's not going to cost you a dime, right? But it's going to bring you more money Get you in front of more people and different people. Yeah. And you're
1: going to build relationships. Yeah. And specifically for website design and branding, I would really consider those systems and processes. So look at, like, are you using an Instagram scheduler to its fullest advantage? Are you using something like Post Planner to post on Facebook or Twitter? Are you using something like Tailwind to pin your blog post to Pinterest? Getting that stuff off your plate, even though right now it might only take you 10 minutes here, five minutes here, that shit adds up. And it not only adds up for you being on your phone and doing it, but getting in that mindset of posting to Instagram natively on your phone or going to Pinterest and having to pin it to all of these boards, all of a sudden now you're like lost in the Pinterest rabbit hole or the Instagram rabbit hole and you're looking at someone else's post and then you have to get back into the client work that you were just doing and all of a sudden to post one thing on Instagram, you've just lost 45 minutes to an hour. When if you had just gotten a notification on your phone, you could have just clicked, click, click, edit done and not even looked at Instagram. So really look at the holes that your workflows and processes are missing and look at the like nine bucks a month here, seven bucks a month
0: here, systems that you can be investing in to get some of that stuff off your plate. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business?
1: Okay. All right. Next,
0: Alex Bruceon. how to choose a blog name? Emily and I have some words. We've answered. <laughs> we've answered this question forty-five million times. Uh huh. And we will answer it yet again. Okay. It's really simple. Don't spend a million years on this. You have the next. Hour and a half after listening to this podcast to decide your blog nab and let it go. Okay. So, the first thing you are going to do is get out a piece of paper and you're going to write down words you like. It's really simple. You're going to write down words you like. You're going to write down words that relate to your passion, the things you love, the things you ideally want to write about, the things you ideally want to sell. Okay. Now you're going to start pairing those up so they make some kind of sense. You think Think Creative Collective was like well thought out? No. <laughs> Clearly, cuz it's like 75 characters long. <laughs> well, it was just Think Creative and then yeah. You decided to be here and then it was like, "Well, shit. <laughs> we have to make this thing." Anyway, that's a that's another story. But anyway, focus on how you can make it simple mm-hmm. how you can make it easy for someone else to like if you were saying it out loud that someone else mm-hmm. could repeat it back to you and they would not have any questions like i don't want I don't want someone to confuse like Charlie and I don't know that was a really bad example <laughs> where are you going with i don't that? I don't know I was like. I was trying to think of two words that are similar but not the same, and I'm blanking. It's fine. I don't need an example. Okay, you don't need an example, but you get my drift. Like words that are similar but not spelled the same. Like yeah. don't don't put there in your blog name. People spell there like four different ways, right? And they misspell it all the time. Mm-hmm. So don't yeah. do it. So use some
1: common sense. Ideally don't make up a word. Some people can get away with that, but especially when you're just starting out and trying to get your foundation strong, don't make up a word. You're not Coca-Cola. Make it easy to spell, make it easy to say, make it short and simple. But seriously, brain dump. Put some words together. My photography business when I started was Willow and Gray. My gray is my favorite color.
0: Willow was just a pretty looking word, so I put them together didn't mean shit. Well, and the key thing here is you can like the business name all day long, but you need to look up what's available. So please do a URL search. Mm -hmm. Please look up copyright and trademarks. Yep.
1: You have have to do that. Of your blog and business is not what's going to make you successful. So... The fact that you're not even out there yet is what's preventing your success. Yes. So get on it. All right. So pick a name. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So Alexandra asks, okay, babes, I've been seeing lots about Dubsado. Give me the scoop. I'm super interested in having all the things in one place, but is it really effective? Mostly concerned about the email side of it. Will I still need a separate email management system like MailChimp, ConvertKit, et cetera? So, full disclosure, we have not looked too much into Dexado because we don't work with clients. And I know that it's very helpful for people who send invoices and get paid like per client basis. It is something that we think is really awesome and really helpful for people who need especially invoices and contracts kind of system. It's super pretty. The website's really integrated. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. Yes. My only thing to that, again, coming from someone who has not used the system, they do say that it can do a little bit of email automation for you as in the sense of you book a client and you need to email them like maybe their client portal information. Okay, now you need to email them like here's this step one that everyone gets of their homework to like work with you, right? And then your final testimonial kind of email. That very kind of simple goes to the same type of client. It's not very different every single time. I know they can handle that. I am very, very, very particular about using an all-in-one system for email management. I like all-in-one systems that can take care of a lot of things. Email management is one of those things where you need to pick something that does email management well, and that's it. Yeah. And to us, that's ConvertKit.
0: Yeah. So my hesitation, not my hesitation, my suggestion to you would be if you're in the boat where you are looking for something that handles the client side of things like contracts and all of that jazz. Do your homework and compare things like Dubsado and 17 Hats and HoneyBook and decide on one of those systems. And then add a robust marketing email system on top of it yeah. that's going to help you do just email marketing. And we would suggest ConvertKit hands down because of all of the targeting you can do. And consider the fact that everyone you bring in the door on the email side is not necessarily going to be a client. And if you ever decide to sell a product that's not a service, you're going to need the email service for sure, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's essentially your your backup plan. Like you, yeah. you please don't forget about it. Like you right. need to be building this along with your client based business.
1: And I know Deb Sado and ConvertKit both cost monthly build that into your pricing, especially Dubsado. If that's where you're using to manage all your clients, manage your time, send invoices, do all of that jazz, that needs to be built into your pricing.
0: Don't tell them it costs more to use Dubsado. You just... You just make it happen. Like you just build it in. Like you don't tell people, well, it's gonna be five dollars extra a month because no, we you used up SATA. That shit on top. You just get it paid for. You just know. Okay. So can, you can call the service and handling fee if you want to. No, please don't have a service <laughs> and handling fee. You have a package price that includes all of your amazingness. Okay. Next question. Next question. So this isn't actually a question. This is this part's the question. Well, there's a question at the end, but there's a public service announcement before the question. (laughs) So public public service announcement music. (laughs) Dun 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 dun. If you make money, period. If someone pays you, you owe the government money as well. So pay your goddamn taxes, people. Yes. So many people have asked lately, do I actually need to claim this? If you're asking us, then yes. Do. <laughs> okay. It's called the law.
1: So, so the question specifically was, do we use QuickBooks, Excel, or something different? That was the specific question, but there's been a lot of conversations about like, okay, I finally made and one penny, ready to pay taxes, how do I do it? And ah, you should have been paying it a while ago. So don't wait until you have like piles of money coming
0: in until you get your shit figured out. Get organized from day one. Keep track of that information from the start. Get your separate business account. Start keeping that income separate. Keep track of it separately from the beginning, we definitely kept track of it separately from the beginning in a simple Excel document that worked until we had a multiple six figure business. Yep. So don't feel like you need some fancy system to make it work. If you do want something fancier, we use QuickBooks now, we love it. I'm you can very also consider if. It- yeah, if Excel is like a little
1: too, like, how does this work for you? Yeah. I personally used Wave, yeah. Wave apps when I was in business. Yeah. I used the free version. So it's yeah. still free. So I wasn't sending invoices or getting paid through Wave. I would do that on my own. But it connected straight to my bank accounts. I was able to categorize and sort. It was really, really, really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it it makes your Excel essentially look sexier. Yeah, That's, all really That's all it really does. All it does. But QuickBooks, you have to pay for it, but it has very robust reporting. And it's also, if you're wanting to work with a CPA or accountant or a bookkeeper, it is essentially the industry standard. So that's what we would recommend to you if you're looking for the next step up. Yep. Awesome. Next question, thoughts
1: on business versus personal Instagram, should I switch over? So I've seen a lot of chatter on this. The first part of it being no one really wants to switch over to business because they don't really know how, they don't really understand the analytics, their engagement's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then some people who switch over to business when they're running an ad on Instagram and then they turn off their business back to a personal Instagram when they're not running an ad, and then some people like us who are just business for life because whatever. My personal take on this, I have no data to back this up. I think I saw one little blurb on an Instagram terms of service at one point that I probably can't find now, but my opinion is Instagram is free, Facebook is free, the services are free for us to promote our businesses when they change their terms of service and say, if you're a business, you need a business account, you should probably follow the rules. It would be really shitty if you built up your Instagram and you've kept it on personal or you're turning it on to business and off and back on to personal and you've had thousands of followers and all of this engagement and it's your number one traffic refer and then Instagram shuts you down because you're violating their terms of services because that's technically what you're doing if you are a business, using it as a personal account, period. Like I'm not making that up. That is not, you can't read into that whatever you want. It is a violation of terms of service. I don't like to do those things. I'm a rule follower in that sense, like everywhere else, fuck it. But if it's in their terms of service where I'm going to lose my people because I'm breaking it, I'm not cool with that. And you shouldn't be either.
0: So as far as like the having two versus one up to you, if you want right. to post twice, go for it. We both have two, but honestly, it means we never post on our personal. Right. It, very, very
1: rarely. My personal one is all pictures of my daughter, Which is fine. This I'm is fine.
0: totally okay with seeing yeah, pictures this of is Penelope. my personal
1: one. <laughs> so if you're a business, yes,
0: you need to switch over.
1: End of story. Goodbye.
0: So this was in our group the other day, and I thought it was really interesting. How many of you do cash flow projections? And like, literally, crickets. Da, yeah. da, da. Like, what? no. But they're like cash flow projections. What are cash flow What are those words? <laughs> Guys, do you know that you can project how much income you could make in a year or a time period based on subscribers and previous data that you have in your business. Mind blown. I know.
1: Tell me how I can get more information on that.
0: Well, I'm not going to explain it all to you in this. I just want more information. Oh, you just want more information on On how to
1: get more information
0: on how to get more information. Well, that's what I was going to do. Jeez. Okay. So if you're like, dude, that sounds really cool. I'd love to know how to get that kind of information. I will explain all of this in this really cool masterclass, and you can totally go sign up. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's an option for you. Mm-hmm. You just go to yourbusinesshoroscope.com. Totally available, right for now. you, right now
1: to get it and do it and predict that cash flow. Predict your awesome. flow. <laughs> Okay, next question. I do graphics, design and photography. Is it actually worth it to upgrade to a MacBook Pro or Mac desktop? So I'm assuming they don't have either a Mac desktop or a MacBook Pro. So maybe they just have a MacBook.
0: So, I this, was, this is actually a general question because I've seen it multiple times. So, some people are like, I do graphic design. Some people are like, I do website design. Some people are like, I do photography. Some people do a mix of all of them. They either have an old PC or they have an old MacBook and they're like, is it worth it to pay for the big guns and get a pro or a Mac desktop. Emily is shaking her head vigorously right now. Yes. Um, Yes. If you, here's my basic answer to you. If you use creative cloud Uh and you are actively using your graphics card to its fullest capacity, which Mm -hmm. if you are in one of those industries, you you are. are MacBook pro, And the Mac desktop was literally designed for these people in these industries. Yes. So it is made to support those. Now, my husband is a very avid PC lover, and so I have to be play devil's advocate here and let you know that there are comparable options available to you that I personally think are uglier. (laughs) and uglier um mm-hmm. but they they still do the same thing they still run the same version of photoshop and indesign and illustrator adobe has fixed all of that so if you're concerned that you can't run those programs on a pc that's that's a myth you can you can get a graphics card that will support them and it can be cheaper mm-hmm. do i want you to be an apple nerd for life yes, yes. Now,
1: as to the difference MacBook Pro versus Mac desktop, yes. so I have both and sure. I have had both for a while. Yeah. I think it's all a matter of preference. You should ask yourself where you do business. Do you have a home office or a dedicated workspace where a desktop would make sense? Do, are you traveling a lot? Are you in coffee shops or little nomadic little baby or whatever your situation is? that you need to figure out your lifestyle first. But I think if all else, a desktop is 100% the way to go, go bigger, go home at the point of like the middle sized desktop, I think is the same price as a MacBook Pro, because you're asking a laptop to be as robust as a desktop. And so they're about the same price. I think so, in some cases, the desktop is cheaper, it's cheaper. Yeah. So honestly, it's better for your eyeballs. It's better for your wrist. If you have the space on your desktop, you can spread out and you can do all the things. When I got to my my big 27-inch desktop, like the whole world changed for me. It was so amazing.
0: Well, and if you're doing high, high intense graphics frequently, once you have a desktop, you will have a very hard time switching backwards. Yes. So I can't edit on my laptop anymore. So the laptop will then become your Facebook friend and your couch yeah. buddy. So yeah. I mean, in the real world, this is what I would suggest to you. I would get the desktop for for work mm-hmm. and I would get a MacBook Air that mm-hmm. does like writing and yep. Facebook and yep. All the other things, like client correspondence, meetings, that sort of stuff, but never do editing or oh. graphics work on your laptop. Because especially if you have a
1: kid, a young kid, only speaking for myself, it's very, very easy for me to get more work done on my laptop these days than it is my desktop because so I have to fire this thing up. It's in a separate room. It's really not conducive to her like being in here. And I can hang out with the family and get stuff done on my laptop out in the living room, knock out a whole bunch of hours of work on there. So, but I don't edit on there. I move to my desktop to upload pictures, edit and, and make stuff.
0: Yeah. So I, hopefully I, that I, helps. Yeah. For sure. So this is a random question, but occasionally we get asked this, and I feel like y- y'all are shy. So I'm just going to tell you. Can you send Can us you share your
1: address on the podcast?
0: No. <laughs> Actually, why the fuck not? If why you're not, if you you're our email, if you're listening to this this long, uh-huh. you probably you deserve to come stalk Abby. You deserve to find me. Hopefully the show notes people are like whoa. Okay, <laughs> like block it out. <laughs> They're like what are you talking about? Okay. It's going to go beep. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have ever wanted to send us happy mail, so like a package or if you have a product, if like say you're an Etsy shop and you just literally want to get it in our hands, I cannot guarantee That it will end up on our Instagram. I can't guarantee that we will share it, but I can guarantee it will make us smile. Uh I can't guarantee that it will warm our hearts and it'll probably end up on our fridge if it's a love note. So if you want to send us happy mail, I am gonna give our my address live on the podcast. Are you ready? It is one four five one one east 33rd. Terrace South, Independence, yeah, I don't live in Kansas City, actually, Independence, Missouri, 64055.
1: Now, if anyone comes to murder you, I'm going to be so mad.
0: (laughs) It's also in the bottom of every email, just so you know. It's
1: fine. But you can send us anything. Go send us things. We like marshmallows, chocolate, coffee mugs, notepads, coin purses, books, printables, oils. What else? (laughs) Candy? Puppies? Puppies? (laughs) Mail me a puppy. All right. Here's another random but often question. I have some glowing words I want to tell you guys. How can I tell you my amazing testimonial?
0: You can email us. So I'd actually, well, two places. I would... I would love if you would share your experience online somewhere. Talk about it on Instagram and tag us. Talk about it in our Facebook group and tell us about your experience. The more you tell people about how we've helped you, the more other people see that and it helps our business grow and we really do honestly appreciate it. But if you have a specific testimonial and you'd love for us to hear about it, Definitely give us a ring-a-ding-ding if you go to... Don't call us. That's not what I meant. She's not going to give her number now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Go to thinkcreativecollective.com slash contact, and on the form, there's a little spot that says, I'd like to give a testimonial, and you can tell us all the kind things you'd like to say, and we'll get a copy of it.
1: Yep, thanks. Last one.
0: Last one. So you think this podcast is pretty awesome? That's so sweet. That's really nice of you. Someone asked how they could support us.
1: Oh, there are lots of ways. One, you can send us a check.
0: Two. (laughs) Actually, someone literally asked the other other day, she said, can I send you a donation? I said, absolutely. And so I gave her our PayPal link. So if you would like our PayPal link, I will happily email that to you. Or now that you have
1: Abby's address, you can just send us some cold, hard cash in the mail (laughs) like my grandparents (laughs) do. (laughs) So other than that, you can go join the Strategy Hour groupies at thestrategyhour.com slash groupies. You can check out how you can be a fan of the podcast, a BFF, a supporter, a sponsor, and all those amazing things, and get cool stuff in return as well. You can obviously share it. That would really mean the world to us. Tell your friends about it. Tell them why you love it. Tell them why they need to spend 45 minutes to an hour with us three days a week. That would be awesome. And then you can copy and paste whatever you just said to your best friend and write it as a review on iTunes. So give us some stars. Give us some glowing words. It really, really, really does help us out. It helps us land cool opportunities that keeps us able to do these things for you for free. So listen, share, and give us love and send me cash.
0: (laughs) If you have... More questions that you would like to answer, definitely feel free to ask in the Facebook group at any time and say, hey, I'd love for you to answer this question on the podcast. You can yeah. do that at thestrategyhour.com slash community, and we look forward to chatting with you more soon. Yeah, if you liked this episode, like the structure, the type, we want to know that too. So if you keep
1: asking questions, maybe we'll do a Q&A again every so often. If you hated it, maybe
0: just keep that to yourself.